Now, the worship service of Avon United Methodist Church, located at 130 Genesee Street in Avon, New York. Pastor Keith Griswold. Welcome to worship with the Avon United Methodist Church. Thank you, Grace. And welcome, everyone, to worship this morning. Nice to have you with us. Beautiful day outside. I want to welcome any of our guests and visitors who are here today. We'd like to take a moment for announcements. You know, uh, time is coming up on us real fast. It's going to be March next week. And Easter is at the end of March. And so we need to remember that the last Sunday of the month will be Easter Sunday. Studies are still going on, and if you would like to come and participate, even if it's for one or two, we would love to have you be with us, and that's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, and we're at Chapter 2. And this coming Tuesday will be also Lenten Luncheon at 11.45 across the street. Other announcements that need to be made, and I see Sue's hand. Again, we are responsible for helping with the food pantry, the baskets for Easter, so scalped potatoes and ham the boxes of it, and then also the large size of the instant pudding. And then second of all, you're going to start to hear more about, we'll be doing two fish dinners this year. They will be March 15th and March 22nd. He's been working on it and getting the different things that we need to prepare for it, but we'll be asking for your help and support. So again, you'll see posters and it'll be in the newsletter. Since Pastor was talking about Easter... In the Messenger this in March, you will see an order form for ordering Easter plants. And also there will be order forms in the bulletin. We like to fill the chancel with beautiful spring bulbs. I would like to thank Grace Wang for playing for us the past three weeks. She's done a beautiful job of just stepping in and taking charge of playing all the beautiful music for our service. So let's give her a big round of applause. Next week, Alan Walk will be starting as our new organist, and we'll have a reception right after church to welcome him. So please plan to come and meet Alan. Have a little celebration and welcome. Thank you. Other announcement? We'll see all our hands going up, so we will welcome those who are joining us online and those who join us on radio. And I would ask if you would all please come before God with an attitude of prayer as we begin worship this morning. 
Good morning. Good morning. Please stand and join me in the call to worship. We are gathered in the presence of God. If we do not meet alone. With the angels in the highest heaven. With Abraham and Sarah. With the saints of every age. We gather to worship the Lord. We embark on our own journey of faith. God's holy name is grace. God has called us and God has made us his people. God's holy name is grace. We journey in the presence of God. God is with us. We do not journey alone. Our first hymn is The God of Abraham Praise. scripture reading this morning is from Romans 4, 13 through 25. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not, against all hope. Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. 
This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over the death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Word of the Lord. consider the Bible next to the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the letter to the Romans is probably the next most influential book of the New Testament. Paul's letter to the Romans lies behind the Protestant Reformation because how it impacted Martin Luther in the 1500s. Some of the verses that we just read today were ones that he read that helped him to understand that it is not religious rituals that make us right with God, but faith. And the impact on Luther extended 200 years later on John Wesley. It was while listening to the commentary that Luther wrote about Romans, Wesley's listening to this, and he has his heartwarming experience at a Bible study on Aldersgate Street in London. In the 20th century, the faith of a man who many consider to be the greatest theologian in the last 150 years, Karl Barth, his faith was reinvigorated when he studied Romans. In short, this letter 
we find the fullest understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's that simple. A letter written probably around the year 60 A.D., and Paul is telling this group of people in Rome who he had never met before, he's telling them about the gospel that he preaches about Jesus. The gospel that was being preached by the New Testament church. And it was this gospel about Jesus that would eventually overtake and change the Roman Empire over the next 300 years after Paul's letter. Now in the first three chapters, Paul is writing about why we need a Savior. He tells us our human condition. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He tells us the reason that God gave Moses the religious law, and it's this. Through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The reason we know that we have sinned against God is because God has told us what a righteous life should be like. And by the way, God has been telling us what a righteous life should be like going all the way back to the Old Testament. The prophet Micah told us this. The Lord has shown you what is good. He has told you what he requires of you. You must act with justice. You must love to show mercy. And you must be humble as you live in the sight of God. Have you ever considered some questions, put some theological thoughts in your head some days and think about them? If we humans are so good, why do we need a Savior? If we humans are so great, why did God send his one and only son into the world to die for us? In the first three chapters of Romans, Paul lays out the reason for our needing Jesus. Starts with our idolatry. We would rather worship other things than worship God. And he finishes up by saying that we aren't able to live up to God's righteousness. But, he says... God's love has a plan for reconciling us. And that's where Paul goes in chapter 4. Paul tells us about our justification before God. How we're made right with God. How we receive it. At the end of chapter 3, Paul says this. And for those who were in the Lenten study last week, you'll recognize this. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, for all who believe, for all who have faith in Jesus. And then in chapter 4, Paul gives us the primary example of the person who lived a life of faith, Abraham. And there are some important characteristics about him and his faith that I think we should have as followers of Jesus, and I want us to consider them this morning. Before I get into that, I just want to pursue a little bit about what Paul is showing us and telling us in this letter. Because he shows us how much his world had been turned upside down by Jesus. And more importantly, how God was turning upside down the world for us Gentiles. Over in another letter that Paul wrote, Philippians, he gives a real short autobiographical statement about his qualification as a Hebrew. He says this, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. 
Paul is part of the covenant people because of his circumcision. He knows the importance of religious rituals. And as for the religious law, he is a Pharisee. He is one of those men who sought to literally live out all 613 commandments in the Torah. But when Paul's writing these letters, none of this is important to him anymore. Because he came to know Jesus. And he came to have faith in Jesus and his resurrection. Paul came to realize that you don't need religious rituals to be made right with God. What you need is faith in God. And he sees that in Abraham, and he writes this. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He is made right with God. It's this revelation that Paul is preaching to the Gentile world. We Gentiles are made right with God. We are justified before God when we place our faith in God's actions done in Jesus. When we have faith, just like Abraham had faith. So, what kind of faith did Abraham have? And how should we have it and act on it? Well, first, I would suggest we need to aim for a faith that expects the impossible. When God tells Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations, this isn't outrageous promises by human standards. It is impossible by human understanding. Abraham's already an old man. His wife, Sarah, is considered to be past childbearing years. Paul references the story that we find in Genesis, and he says this, He, Abraham, faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. But despite that situation, God tells Abraham that he and Sarah are going to be the parents of as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. Abraham believes God. This is how Paul describes it. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, that God who gave life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Abraham trusts in God and God's promises, and we know the result. Sarah gives birth to Isaac. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, whose name eventually gets changed to Israel, the father of 12 sons, the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel, the Jewish people. But there are also the millions and millions who have the same faith that Abraham had. And they too, we too, are his descendants. What may be impossible by human standards and human understanding is not impossible with God. The question is, do you believe in it? Do you believe that God can do what is impossible? See, there is nothing in our lives that God cannot deal with. One of my favorite contemporary Christian singers is David Crowder. And he has a song called Come As You Are. And these are some of the lyrics in that song. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. 
And here's what I want you to really hear. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. If you want to unleash the power of God in your life, then expect the impossible. Because the God who created the whole universe out of nothing, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, that very same God will pour out blessings into your life and will turn things around for his glory, just like it was for Abraham. The prerequisite is we receive those promises of God by stepping out in faith, believing that God will do what God has promised. Now, the next thing about Abraham and his faith is this. We need to aim for faith that gets bigger and better. We need to have faith that gets bigger and better. Look at what Paul says about Abraham. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. That word in the Greek, strengthened, actually means to be increased in strength. It's just like when you go and start to lift weights. If you have never lifted weights, you do not start by bench pressing 100 pounds. You work up to it. You build up your muscle strength so that you can get stronger, so you can lift more weights. Paul says this is what Abraham did with his faith. As he grew in his knowledge of God, he also trusts God more and more. And this is what we all need to be doing. We all need to grow stronger in our faith by trusting God. When we see those results, we then go deeper in faith and deeper in our relationship with God. But we got to work at it. I'll tell you about a guy by the name of Luke Akins. He is an example of what I would hold up about going deeper into faith. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but what he did, I think a great illustration of how you grow in confidence and trust. Eight years ago, he jumped out of an airplane at 25,000 feet, just over four miles high. This guy deliberately jumped without a parachute. Jumped out of an airplane without a parachute, nothing to stop him from hitting the ground at 150 miles per hour. But there was something that he was aiming for that would stop him. It was a hundred foot wide, hundred foot long net. And it was about a hundred feet up off the ground. He had to guide himself towards that net. Remember from 25,000 feet. But he also had to roll over on his back and hit the net face up. And he successfully did it. But you know what? This was not his first time jumping out of an airplane. Before he even started to practice for this jump, he had already completed 18,000 parachute jumps in his life. He is a third-generation parachutist. He is so skilled that he works with Army Special Forces teaching them how to jump. He took a year to prepare for this jump by training. He did dozens of jumps wearing a parachute, aiming at the target, and opening his parachute at the last possible time. In his practice jumps, he would wait and pull the cord at a thousand feet or less. And as he got closer to doing the jump, he made the target net even smaller. So by the time he jumped without a parachute from 25,000 feet, he had built up his knowledge and his abilities. Now, this is what he says about doing the jump. 
Whenever people attempt to push the limits of what's considered humanly possible, they're invariably described as crazy. I'm here to show you that if we approach it the right way and we test it and we prove that it's good to go, we can do things that we don't think are possible. So, do we grow in our faith in God? Do we turn over the small things that worry us and then build up and turn over the big things? Does our faith strengthen us because we push ourselves to go deeper in our relationship with God? Achan's did his jump for his fame and glory, but we're told Abraham's growing in faith was not just for him, it was for God. Paul puts this at the end of that one sentence that we just quoted there. He, meaning Abraham, was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. As we grow in our faith in Jesus, it's not just for our sake. It's so we can bring glory to him. So look at how Paul wraps up this section here about Abraham's faith. Paul says, The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Friends, we need to have a faith that believes what is humanly impossible is no problem for God. We need to trust in God who raised Jesus from the dead. And when we make God the center of our life, we can start to grow in our faith and we can bring glory to God. We need to realize that until we see Jesus face to face, the beginning of our journey and the end of our journey is going to be just like Abraham. It is going to be a journey of faith. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would, take your hymnal. We're going to sing Trust and Obey.
go now, walking in the trust of God's promises, the sign of God's love in Jesus. Go now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to the 10 a.m. service from the Avon United Methodist Church, located at 130 Genesee Street in the village of Avon. We hope that you have experienced the love of Jesus Christ during your time with us. We invite you to join us on the air weekly at 7.30 a.m. Sundays or in person at 10 a.m. Please visit us on the web at avonnyumc.org or call us at 226-8600. May God richly bless you.